You're listening to Bellwether's podcast with Matthews Joseph. Hey people, thank you so much for listening to Bellwether's podcast. Welcome back for a new episode with Pastor Josh K. So uh, Pastor Joshua Kamenapalli, that's his full name, but yeah, he's just shouting it out as uh, Pastor Josh K. So we'll be referring to him as Josh through this entire podcast. He's the founding pastor of Beach City Church in Vishakapatnam, India. And he's also the executive principal of Paramjyoti Schools. And he's also the founder and CEO of a technical company called Limecrest. He's also a leadership coach and a leadership expert. So that's just a short bio of what Pastor Josh is. But Josh, welcome to Bellwether's podcast. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you so much, Matthew, for having me on. And hello, everybody, all those that are tuning in to, to hear. I hope this will uh, encourage you uh, and to pers- uh, help you on that journey of doing something amazing. Uh, in your life. Thank you. So, you know, do you mind sharing a bit about yourself, you know, in a very, in a, in, in a couple of sentences? Yeah, no, I was uh, just going over that introduction and I thought that was, um, uh, that was the highlight reel of Josh, you know, uh, <laughs> you, know you speak about this leadership coach and, uh, and it sounds much more glorious than, uh, than the actual job of leadership is. Um, it's, it's a hard uh, process uh, the role uh, that you take on as uh, the visionary, the one that's uh, leading the charge, uh, definitely has uh, a lot of hard work. Uh, if you want to be uh, doing things uh, that are uh, right by the people as well as the vision, it's that constant tension. And if you do that, it uh, definitely helps um, when you're able to um, do it in a way where you can humble yourself and you can let, uh, sometimes you, you know, sort of give space for God to do uh, his thing um, in people's lives and ultimately develop them uh, in their journey of personal growth. That's, you know, as you said, as a coach, that's all you want to see. And sometimes uh, it might even mean that uh, the best for somebody else's life might not be uh, where they're at right now. Uh, so it could be a seasonal thing and you want to be able to definitely uh, help um, help every individual, even if it means that uh, God's going to be taking them away to another place. Because you don't want to, uh, you want the best. And sometimes when, even though it's tempting for you to say, hey, you know, I want you to be here. Uh, we still want to make sure that we, um, we encourage people on their journey um, uh, and not, you know, have a selfish motive. Wow, that's that's so much wisdom and so much insight, and just like you know, in in those couple of sentences. But I think it's like uh, that's a great thing, you know, you just said. And yes, just like moving on to our first question, you know, and wh- while you were speaking up, you s- mentioned the word vision. So, how does uh, vision uh, define a leader? Define leader. It gives you a, I guess, a north star to aim at. Um, and sometimes you can, you know, yeah, I, I tell people, even if God has not given you a vision, like, for example, you've had certain things that, that God has given us. For example, this church, it was not something that I was equipped for. I had zero, maybe negative 100 pastoral skills. Uh, when I started this, I was just a, a business oriented man. Uh, but maybe this is God's way of uh, teaching him to grow, teaching me to grow in him 
and uh, and he's using the way that uh, would would work for me right god uses what we uh, what we will bend towards or lead towards and uh, so with that vision it can be twofold uh, sometimes uh, i think some people make the mistake of saying uh, you know vision is only something that god can give you uh, or sometimes say hey just have a vision you can have both and i've had both in my life I've had uh, things that I've birthed uh, out of, uh, and I, I can't take credit for God's dreams in my uh, uh, in my mind when I'm sleeping, um, and I have to give uh, give them back to God. But there are things that you can actually set goals for yourself, which could be a vision. Uh, so I want to make sure that uh, people have an understanding that it's not just one or the other; it can be both at times. Uh, you can have a vision, for example. Uh, to maybe grow, grow a church or to grow a school from where it was to where it could go. So those are things that you, and you definitely want to lean on God because ultimately he's our provider and he's the one that blesses all of the efforts that we, uh, we, we put in. So vision is very important, even if it is something that you put for yourself. Uh, so you couldn't have that. Um, and then you could be something that is divine. That some God has done something in your life where uh, he's given you a thought that he wants you to pursue. Okay, so uh, what advice or uh, tips, you know, since you told me that, uh, since you are a leadership coach and you're a leadership expert, now what advice or tips would you give to individuals who are mentoring leaders? Who are mentoring leaders? Um, I would say first lead yourself. Um, I think it's a personal, it's a journey of personal development, personal growth, uh, personal identity as well. Because uh, you, you're always, you know, as a leader, you're always trying for things that you're not able to do, but you need to know who you are, what you're made of. Uh, you need to know how, how far you're going to be able to take things, right? Because uh, in the journey of leadership, there's a, it's a constant struggle. Uh, that's why leaders don't usually take jobs, they they go, or at least entrepreneurs, because uh, they're trying to do something that's well uh, well above uh, what they're capable of, uh, and they want, they like that challenge as well. So, you know, if, if you're looking for something that would help uh, you coach or mentor other leaders, I'd say uh, the first and probably most important thing would be to understand who you are. And, and by the way, I was, so when we came to India, uh, I was running my business, uh, quite easy, quite an easy task uh, at that time, because it was a photography business, and um, and it didn't take too much effort to to lead well, uh, lead that company well, um, and I did. I knew that it wasn't something that um, was going to be a long term thing for me, but I knew that I had to be uh, really good for me to stand out as well. So the process of development. And uh, by God's grace, we were able to uh, be featured in quite a lot of uh, uh, magazines and uh, through that, get some good uh, projects or weddings to work on and uh, develop the business. Um, <clears throat> but it was only after um, I had stopped that we retired from, uh, I retired from photography from uh, 2016. And 2014, uh, God was putting education on my heart. And it was uh, it took time for me to accept it because uh, I knew it was especially we were uh, working with the school in Amlapuram, and uh, it it 
it wasn't uh, speaking of quality. It wasn't something that was great. So you know, I like to I like to think God is excellent in all that He does, and uh, I feel that uh, He's given me uh, an objective to uh, make sure that uh, if there's a possibility to do something that uh, really well, let's try it. Uh, it's not a a resource based thing. It's our resource is God and. And when the vision's there, um, we can we can do a whole lot of stuff. Uh, so in that transition for me, we were able to uh, start working with people, and that uh, and it was a very difficult personal journey for me. Uh, we had, I mean, I had uh, I was not a leader, uh, a leader who could actually command a following. I couldn't. Uh, when I say command, it's not by brute force. I could do that very easily. Uh, but when I say command with love, uh, being attracted to follow, right? Those were not my traits. Um, failed miserably because uh, I didn't know uh, how to do it. And uh, I still remember in 2014, I started uh, reading books. And I was saying, you know, how can I actually get people to, to transform themselves? And initially, I started with this very selfish motive. Uh, I still remember... Uh, reading, uh, how to win friends and influence people. And that was my objective. Hey, how do I win friends and how do I influence people so they get to do what I ask them to do? And uh, that was my mindset. Very uh, immature when you think about a leadership uh, uh, perspective. That would be the lowest form of uh, leadership at the authoritative uh, level. And because uh, you've got the authority and pretty much nothing else. And uh, that was me. I uh, could not... Uh, ask people to follow me. I had to force people uh, by the way of uh, their employment or by the way of um, this is what I've asked you to do. And through that journey, I've had um, a lot of struggles to understand, had uh, conversations with God saying, hey, if you're asking me to do this, give me a spirit of, uh, uh, it's just a bad spirit. Uh, but he said, well, it's time for you to do what's needed. Uh, there are certain things, the process that you go through life to, to create the kind of uh, expectations uh, that you need for yourself, uh, the, the things that guide you and uh, make you into, into who you are. Uh, but there is a next level of a uh, next step that you take for a leadership journey, and that is leading people. If you lead people, there's really not much uh, you can do. You can, to be honest, you can build a company and uh, and make a lot of money and still not be able to lead people. Uh, but if you lead people and you've got something um, that's going to bless a lot of people, you'll be able to lead it into a, a company like a Google or uh, something big. Yeah, think about all the historical uh, companies like Colgate, uh, Procter & Gamble. They all had some great visionaries and who were able to think outside the box and lead really well. Uh, you even think about uh, Ben Franklin. Uh, so we're, we're actually uh, in our staff devotions. Uh, we were doing a book on you know, the book that I just, I just spoke about, How to Win Friends and uh, Influence People. There's a part where uh, there's a retired man who tells Ben Franklin, uh, this, this guy that we've got on the, on the money, and uh, he tells him that he, uh, he's just a, a poor leader that, He's pissing off people, and um, and when you think about all those, that was me, and I was I was actually smiling as uh, so we have turns and all the staff reading it, 
And I just thought, man, this was uh, maybe five, six years ago. And it was horrible, uh, but at the same time, beautiful, that I can actually look back and smile. Uh, I still remember maybe, maybe three, four years ago, I would, uh, I would look back and I would say, well, I'm going to show that person who told me I couldn't do this, or I couldn't do that, because uh, things are going in a much better way. Um, but to be honest, you know, some of the most uh, challenging people have showed me now, I can look back at it and say, they were right. Uh, I was not the leader that, uh, that I was meant to be, that I was called to be. Uh, I didn't have the leadership capacity, and I think it is a journey. Um, and I, you know, I can say, thank God, uh, I've taken the right steps because it could have gone the wrong way, and I'm able to lead people now. I mean, I, during this pandemic, we've had to um, work hard. We've had to do a lot more than that's required. Some of us had to sacrifice our salaries. Uh, and I had people volunteering saying, hey, Josh, this is actually how much I need to live. And uh, maybe we can make this work if uh, I cut my salary. This is my employees coming to me and saying, I'd like to volunteer. And obviously on my end, I'm gonna make sure that, hey, you know, as generous as that offer is, I need to make sure uh, that I'm uh, putting myself out there as well to say, hey, you know, the sacrifice that you're gonna take, as soon as the schools are back uh, running efficiently and back with proper money, we need to pay you back. So they love that uh, now that I'm able to look after them and they themselves, when they volunteer, just, you know, it, it, uh, it, it makes me emotional that somebody would actually do that. Uh, it's not just a job for them, but they would actually say, hey, you know what? This is what I need. And now I know that at least I'm on my way. I've done something good. When somebody believes in the vision, and they can actually offer themselves up in, in such a capacity as their livelihood and say, I believe in what you're doing. Now there's nothing greater than that as a leader. And that's, that's, you know, that's too, I mean, you know, that's too much for me to take in, you know, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's like a whole package. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, when you shared your backstory, I mean, just a small part of it, you know, and how you thought, you know, you were not able to lead enough people. And now you are, we are on this podcast talking about leadership you know six years and how god changes stuff you know it's actually pretty you know we never know how god actually changes stuff you know and as i was mentioning you know when actually amy endorsed endorsed you for i know she, she told me like you know you should have him on your podcast and i i went up to your instagram and i checked up the leadership things and at the highlights and then i was like you know this guy and i, I texted amy and i told her like this guy is like the john maxwell of india you know, because this guy actually has super quotes, you know, I mean, you know, I, I mean, and that's not just about the quotes, but the way you speak and the way you told your story. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're something, you know, I find a very similarity in, in, in the both of you. And, you know, yeah, you, I mean, I would really coin that, you know, <laughs> as the John Maxwell of India. By the way, uh, Amy and I went, go way back. So we, uh, I met, I first met Amy when I was eight years old. We went to a boarding school called Hebron. And uh, she was a, a, a difficult little girl at that time. So was I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it's just amazing how God can actually uh, transform. And it's just funny. You know, I think about where we're at right now and the relationships that I've had 32 years ago with these people and how God has brought these people back into our lives. And, you know, the especially, you know, our boarding school uh, Life was definitely a different one. 
there was a lot of challenges um, and we you know when when you actually connect with those that are actually now um, leading people or leaving a church or a ministry you can connect with them on a very different level and Amy is a powerful uh, woman that God is using uh, to raise awareness on uh, slavery um, and uh, to be the voice for women and uh, it's just crazy that we can't actually wait till this COVID season's done to to have her in India and uh, for us to partner with what she's doing. She's uh, she's a blessing to our church. Uh, she's come spoken at our schools as well about uh, gender equality. Um, so it, yeah, she's she's a she's a little a very little firecracker that blows uh, like an atomic bomb. <laughs> very potent. Yeah. Definitely. Big shout out to Amy and Ruby Rod Project on what she's doing. You know, it's actually truly, truly amazing what she's doing. So back, back to you know the uh, back to our set of questions. So I think this particular question is actually you know this is actually pretty significant. The one that I'm going to ask you next, because yeah. uh, you know uh, how much uh, does a good book impact the life of a leader? And uh, you know, okay. and which ones would you suggest? as that the ones that impacted you you know as a sub question part b this by saying until maybe uh, 35 and i'm 40 years old now i was so passionate to hate books <laughs> i hated books with a passion um i did not like reading and to be honest like i said i had a very selfish motive to actually pick up that um uh, how to win friends and influence people. Cause I said, I want to show people that this is how it's going to be done. And uh, as stupid as that sounds now, <laughs> that was a motive. I actually picked up that book to tell people, find strategies to tell people how to do things and, and to get them to do it. And weirdly enough, it's transformed me. And so those books have transformed me and, uh, so I'd say anybody who's, you know, I, I can't really say there's one book. There's so many authors out there uh, that are uh, better than for, for my, you know, I don't know about the, you know, maybe those kids that like cartoons versus, you know, you've got those heavy readers. And I've got my own, you know, my own kids. I've got three girls and my eldest one, she's 12 years old and she, um, she's a big reader like her mom. She read a big book and I just, and I, I look at her and she's, 12 years old and I was like that would turn me off as a 12 year old I needed pictures right and I needed cartoons uh, but she likes these heavy books and then I've got uh, my nephews who like cartoons like me they don't like to uh, read these heavy books but it's by finding your passion you get to and I always tell this you don't you can't force reading on somebody but find what you're looking for. So let's just say if you're looking for solutions on personal development or how to lead or stuff like that, then you've got books that'll help you. Uh, but you've got to first find what you're looking for or at least the problems that you're trying to solve. Uh, my problem was, at least that I identified was uh, I needed to lead people and I needed to showcase the vision where it would be heartfelt, um, that they would believe in it. Um, so those were, I mean, it, 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 they seem quite shallow now, but that was the, the question that I was trying to answer. And I started picking up books and then there was uh, 
So I started with Audible. I had to get a, now Audible's available in India, but back then it wasn't. Uh, so I was paying a lot of money to hear these books. And once I, you know, I, I, I drive to Amalapuram where the other schools are every week. So Mondays I'd drive down and I'd have about six hours, five hours of a journey. And I'd listen to books on the way there and on the way back. And I started noticing that I had to stop and take notes every, because I was driving and listening. And I uh, wanted to take notes. And then I realized uh, maybe, uh, and I still enjoy Audible. Um, I don't drive during the COVID season. I don't drive every week now. I do this, uh, we actually postponed all of our travel till uh, January. Um, but I, you know, yeah, this was in 2014, 15. I realized that I like books now versus audible uh, audio books because I can actually write down my notes and I'll have them for uh, documentation and, and also for history as well. What am I dealing with now? How has this example helped me? Um, and they, they've, I can say now that I've been transformed. Some books I, I can be very strategic and say, do this. These are the steps you, you take. Um, but for a person like me, John Maxwell, he was a guru, right? He is, uh, his books were, um, were very digestible. And when you're a new reader, uh, they need to be, um, if you're not a new reader, then, uh, then you can probably pick up heavier books, but John Maxwell simplifies things in a way that you can actually uh, take it forward. And uh, there's, and you know, after my, uh, and they're very deep, but very easily digestible. Now you can have, you know, now I've got uh, larger books that are more, uh, that are harder to read, but I can still do that now, but I wouldn't be able to do that initially. Uh, so these books, uh, I would say if somebody's like me and they need pictures for a book to be making sense, start with John Maxwell. Not that he has pictures, but they're a little bit easier. And, uh, and he's got such amazing books. If you're talking about one amazing book, the one that's changed my life the most has been the Bible. Um, it, it sounds cliche, uh, but it's actually what what is revealed uh, through those stories, through those words that are spoken, that has helped me. And uh, so, when it when you think about application in real life situations, definitely all of these leadership books that you'll see on my Instagram. Uh, when you think about uh, books. Click on the, the book section and you'll see all of them uh, that I've put out. Uh, and I continue to get more. Uh, one of the ones that from a strategic, uh, if you want to be less about vision, uh, but more about process, uh, for somebody who's in maybe companies, uh, learn your why, right? It's, uh, is it learn your why? I start with why uh, by Simon Sinek. So that was a, a very strategic one, uh, less about personal development, but more about uh, company. Uh, but if you're thinking about personal development, uh, Zig Ziglar is quite an older man. Um, uh, he's not live right now, I don't think. Um, but John Maxwell is still relevant uh, for these times. You know, I would even suggest Craig Groeschel. Very inspiring. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> from a perspective like mine, where I'm, I'm also a pastor, um, he has quite a business strategy to what he does in ministry and I love that and, and and I love that because he had that now you look at the bible app the amount of downloads that they've had is ridiculous 
it would not happen had he not had that skill set or that drive uh, for a business uh, platform. Uh, and many people say, "Hey, Josh, you've got you know you can't really mix business and church. You can if the objectives are good. Uh, you can structure it in a way where you're." Uh, appropriate money for a certain project that'll be a, even a bigger blessing like the Bible app is. Um, and and Bible app is funded by the church. Now the way they structure it and he's also not uncomfortable with failure. So he's failed at certain locations that he had to shut down. And those are some of the things that were hard for me to accept because I would think that there would uh, be a reflection of me. So listening to him, his podcast uh, helped me grow confident enough that sometimes you just have to let things die. And uh, that's not a reflection of who you are. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a, a hindsight mistake. Um, but one thing that you, if you have your heart set on doing things the right way, you learn so much when, uh, when you try things, when you do new things, and you develop a whole lot more. So books, books, I would say, are um, necessary to grow. So start with personal development. Know yourself. And make sure that uh, you're constantly, I mean, it's gotten to, I don't know if I should share this, but it's gotten to a point, like I said, you know, I hated reading with a passion. Now, if I'm um, sitting somewhere, and I won't say where, uh, and there's nothing to read, I'll start looking at the labels of things just to read something. And it's, uh, it's, it's like uh, reading the shampoo details on the back. I'm, I'm, it's like, I'm so used to reading now that I can't just sit still uh, and I'll start looking at shampoos or other things that are in the bathroom because I forgot to bring a book in, you know? And so it, it, uh, it can become quite addicting. And for somebody who knows me as a child or even as a young adult, they're like, Josh, you're a bit weird now. Uh, you just, you're, you have to read. And the man I knew was just all play, uh, no work or no uh, reading, right? But that's that's the stuff that can happen in life. And you, you know, and it's not by mistake when God says, seek and you shall find. See, you have to look. You have to also be humble enough to see what God can do uh, through you, not for you. Uh, so those are things that are, I think, uh, for me. I had to let go of my personal agenda. Uh, and I have to say, this is the vision. Now, there might be different ways to do it. And obviously, there's a um, God gives you a certain, you know, usually the how is what makes uh, people different, right? How they do something. Uh, but at the same time, you can still be uh, growing and still do it at a very high quality level, like what we strive to do um, by still uh, giving people a voice, uh, sharing the, the journey and and it's still you know it, it still uh, results in successful learning. Pandemic has been a great opportunity for us. It, maybe that's another question that we can uh, share. But we've grown so much in since March of 2020. We are 20 years ahead into the future of education. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, I think you know. Uh, yeah, that that calls for our next question. So, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to say it. How challenging was it to uh, lead an entire church virtually through a global pandemic? Yeah. Um, 
we didn't really know how serious it was. So when the pandemic started, uh, obviously we heard news about it in December from China. And then um, things started filtering in February for India. And we were saying, we were wondering, oh, does this mean we got to shut down the church? And, um, and we're like, well, how do we do this? We've got, and our church is a small church, uh, 70 people. And uh, like, how do we do this? We didn't even have video recording stuff. Uh, the only thing we had was a nice bed um, and a nice place, right? Um, and we weren't ready for online services. Now, how do you get ready? And where do you get the money from if people aren't going to be showing up? Those are some of the challenges. Uh, but God has been good, surprisingly, with in the midst of this pandemic, we were able to upgrade our equipment to uh, to meet the need. Now, that's ridiculous. I mean, I've, many people were struggling with finances and here we were blessed uh, because we were doing the right things. and We were uh, teaching the right uh, way of living, of giving, and people still continue to give their, their tithes and offerings despite them not being there. And we were able to uh, do some things uh, leading definitely, you go from a physical uh, place to virtual. That's a big challenge. Uh, you're not able to touch somebody. You're not able to hug them. Uh, now you've got to be distant. And uh, for church to be distant, we first did it with uh, videos on YouTube. We'd, we'd record our sermons and our worship and we'd play it on YouTube. And uh, that was fine for a while. Then this became the normal. I was like, okay, we got to get past uh, videos. We need more engagement of people. So we started doing Zoom calls. And uh, now we're at a good place where we can actually do live services. So those that come, there are about maybe 10 people that come into the auditorium. Uh, and then most of them are at home. So we're able to do a service with uh, mixing recorded stuff and live uh, stuff. Uh, we've got something great called the table talk. And those kind of things we're able to do uh, it is a little bit challenging, but God has been uh, very good in helping us. Uh, and we're still able to reach. Surprisingly, in this pandemic, we've had uh, a few new families added to our church. Surprising. And all these uh, all these doctors that start showing up, they're like, we've never had doctors before. All of a sudden, we, all these new people are doctors. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit uh, weird because you're thinking, you know, the pandemic, what do you do? We did what we, we sat down and said, how can we make this better? How can we engage our people? How can we uh, make sure that we're there for them? And, uh, and some of our um, people have gotten the coronavirus. Now, how do we care for those that we can't go near? Uh, we can help by uh, providing them money, food. Um, so my wife and I, she's a, she's a wonderful girl. And uh, I'm so surprised that she married me. <laughs> and uh, she loves like Jesus does. She's out there, uh, you know, sending food to the sick. She's out there calling people up. Hey, how are you doing? Is there anything we can do to help? Uh, and I don't have that spirit so much myself, but I'm glad that God had uh, thought about my weaknesses and partnered me with someone who uh, was the exact opposite. And, um, and we were able to come through that. Um, and people, you know, definitely see the, the love and the care that, uh, that this church as a body has for each other and for those that are suffering. I mean, think about um, during the pandemic, we were able to serve 150,000 150, meals. We're people of 70. Wow. 
Now that's ridiculous. Um, so those kind of things are are huge. Um, and we, we, you know, God has definitely blessed uh, blessed us to be, um, you know, partners in His work. And you know, we think about education now. Uh, the pandemic definitely has uh, transformed the way we learn. You and I are having a, a remote call on Zoom, and learning now has become quite technology uh, driven. But it's funny. Before the pandemic, a device was a luxury. Now it's a necessity. And uh, so we, we, so part of what I do as well is we work with children that are uh, from impoverished homes and we give them high quality education. And we have 200 of those uh, children we're uh, in the uh, campaign right now, raising uh, money for devices for them. Uh, there's Samsung uh, devices that, that enable them to have the apps uh, that we can teach from. And, um, and I was, I, you know, before the pandemic, I'm, I would not have thought that we would be able to give our children and get free education at one of our schools. This device that just pretty much transforms their life because they have access to technology. I mean, to learn English, English is an economic language. Once you learn English in India, you're able to reach a greater heights than if you do just the, the national languages, right? And, um, and when you do that, you just raise the platform of where they're standing automatically. And these uh, new apps that people have, like math, math was a, you know, just like I hated reading, math was a passionately hated subject for children. And, uh, and shout out to this company called Matific. They created an app that makes people love math. And, uh, and the, the way they do it is un, unintentional learning. They make it a game. And our kids love games. So they, uh, they do their math and do their reading in a way that doesn't feel like work for them. And they enjoy it. They get addicted to reading. They get addicted to math and they want to start solving problems. We've been able to change our learning in our classroom in such a different manner. Now, we weren't equipped for this. We had to actually take a break right at the, uh, when we finished our school year in April, we said, how do we do this? What do we, what can we actually do? Because we could have still just done our Zoom calls and be fine with it. But he said, what can we do to put ourselves out there to actually learn from this? Now that was a challenge because we had a lot of uh, uh, people that were not technologically savvy. Now uh, the goal was, what do we learn? What can we learn? So we had to identify uh, people who are strong with uh, inquiry and search and we started looking. We started saying, what can we do in this pandemic? How can we help? Can we send them videos? Or in that search, we were able to find so much. Now we're the only school in all of Telangana and Andhra Pradesh that actually sent an iPad home with the child. There was no other school that actually did that. Now, not only on our high quality schools, we've done that for the lower free children where they get a Samsung tablet and they can actually study from home during this pandemic. Now that to me is a blessing from God. We wouldn't be able to do that if we were like any other school, just thinking about money. We did do that because we put our, uh, our vision, our mission that we, when we said we care about the child, we meant it. Now it takes a, you can just look at other schools and say, well, nobody else is doing this. Or you could say, 
this is your mission. This is your vision. Now let's see what we can do. And I love the transformation that's happening in the children. Now I know just this, this pandemic has shot us forward by 20, 20 or 30 years. Now it's not just about um, what the child is learning. Now the systems in our schools have changed because now they're all digital. Uh, before we'd probably be printing out papers all left, right and center. Now there's a lot more connectivity. There's a lot more uh, collaboration. Now, those kind of things will reap rewards down the road that we can then point back and say, hey, this is the benefit of the pandemic. When you think about the church, now we've got two streams. One, who would have thought that you could have the same service for somebody who's at home and somebody who's at the, at the, the church building? I didn't. Uh, I never prioritized uh, uh, the remote service. We call it the online worship experience. Never. Um, but with the pandemic, that was a requirement. We had to serve those uh, at, at the house. So, and we did, and God has blessed us. So long story short, uh, put your nose out there and see what's what's out there. And uh, when there's a problem, you've got to be solution makers. Jesus was, and uh, and you've got to do that yourself. Wow. I think that's actually incredible, you know, how a pandemic actually shaped up uh, the world around you. I mean, even in the church aspect, even with the schools, I mean, you know, the first, I mean, you guys are the only school exactly send an iPad home with the kid. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, uh, most parts of India, it's, it's not, it's, it's still a dream to still many schools all around India and God has blessed you so much uh, with, so that you have the vision and you know, and when you just said, when you said about the tagline, you know, uh, we, we care for each kid. I mean, you know, it is not just a business tagline, but it is more like the vision that you guys are looking forward to. And that is what you guys want to do every day. And, you know, when in a world like in a world like this, when people are actually, you know, taglines is only for attracting people to just check up the website or the portfolio. And you guys actually made that happen. And that tagline was actually, you know, it birthed out the vision and, you know, it actually gave forth, I mean, it actually fulfilled, you know, what you guys were actually doing, what you said. And I think that's pretty amazing. You know, it is, it is something that is, that is huge. You know, uh, it, it is something very huge to do. I mean, in, during this pandemic, I mean, you know, I, I, I was one of the person when, when the pandemic broke out in March, uh, I was like, okay, well, it's going to be done in a couple of months, you know? And then, yeah, it, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like seven months, you know, and, you know, we're still at home, you know, still working from home, still doing things from home, you know, it's still, and nothing much has changed. If you look in, in 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 going back to the normal, but if you look out what has changed in the seven months, it's massive. I mean, churches are online, schools are online, everything. I mean, literally, you can find everything online. I mean, you want a cake, you can order it online right now. You know, you don't even have to need to have a website. You can DM in someone in Instagram, hey, I need this cake. And then, you know, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll send it up to you. You know, that's how it has shifted our world. I mean, you know, from everything from an offline basis to from a physical basis to an entirely online basis, you know, and that's how this pandemic has changed the course of our world. And, you know, and how, you know, what God has done, even through this pandemic, through you guys, 150,000 meals, you know, that's, that's amazing. You know, that is something 
I don't know, exponential maybe. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not doing the math right now, you know, because <laughs> uh, not doing right that. But you know, that's actually exponential what you guys are doing, you know. And you know, I'm so happy with, with when you share these insights with these people. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure whoever is going to hear this is going to be blessed. And you know, I think that I think that it's going to put so much insight in people. You know how you know how when you stand up for God, when you when God puts something in you, how you can fulfill it. You know, and you know, and one thing you said, you know, it's actually very much Jim. One that one thing that I would actually struck, uh, which actually struck me is this one thing when you said, you know, we focus on the how, you know, and you know that is actually like you know when something happens, we when 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 we have a vision we focus on the how all the time but we don't we don't focus on the why or the what which is actually more which outweighs the how all all the time you know and you know, I, I i believe this that you know i i am reading this book by uh, called visioneering by andy stanley and you know and this is one but and this is the same thing that he actually mentions in the book you know uh, about you know the 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 what always outweighs the how and you know and you know and you guys are actually uh, and and a real example on what that and you know i think you're like the fulfillment of that statement what you guys are doing i mean you know i'm, I'm not joking i'm not i'm not sort of flattery but you know i'm um, i'm really saying that because you know what it's actually so huge what you guys are actually doing and you know and when i look at your life you know i think you know what you were saying from 2014 to 2020 how six years you know god transformed you I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm actually very much surprised, you know, I, I mean, you know, when you say, you know, you're a passionate hater of books, you know, and, you know, I think, you know, that is something that, you know, in my life too, you know, because I, when I was a kid, I used to read a lot of books. So more like stories like Oliver Twist, Tom Sawyer. And and after that, I, I lost grip of it. And then I, I, I don't know, I, I never read for like 10 or 12, 12 years. And then in 2019, my mentor actually introduces me to a book uh, by Dr. Miles Monroe, The Principles of Power and Vision. And, you know, he said, you know, you need to read this book. And I was like, I started reading that book. And then now, now I have a big collection of books. And what started in, in two years, I mean, my collection has grown up. And because, you know, one, one, you know it, it's, it's really addictive. You know, like you said, you know, once you start reading, you know, you can't stop. You want to you wanna dig in more. You want to you wanna learn more with each coming book. And, you know, especially John Maxwell, you know, great author, you know, uh, and his book is coming out uh, in Jan. And, you know, and I think it's like even better. Uh, it's called Change Your World. I mean, again, I, I don't All his books. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, literally you are a John Maxwell of India. Again, I quote it. <laughs> I've got the second edition and all that that have been uh, redone as well. It's just, uh, wow. yeah, they're, they're a tremendous influence in my life. Uh, wow. One day I'll That's get to awesome. people tell them what, uh, and, and, and when, when, when people say, hey, Josh, who is your mentor? Uh, there's been, um, I've had a physical role model and a mentor who's taken a keen interest um, and helped me through the journey of failure, right? So like I said, you know, I was a horrible leader. Now this man uh, called Graham Irvin, uh, he's an executive principal uh, of schools in Australia called uh, St. Philip's Christian College. And he runs about five uh, campuses with maybe 5,000 students. And uh, <coughs> he's an amazing man, humble, uh, he he's very he's got a big vision, and uh, and he loves me to death. Uh, and he's a busy guy. He travels to go meet with uh, politicians and influence education in Australia. Now God has put that person in my life, and he for some reason it was actually a weird story. I went to Australia when we were in the business of uh, 
children's home many years ago, 2014. And um, so we were in the process of uh, closing down a lot of that stuff because uh, funding had gone down and we needed to look to um, how we could actually be in the business of serving uh, the children that, uh, that needed to be there. And, um, and I remember we were supposed to be meeting with, uh, with, I was supposed to meet with somebody at World Vision and uh, Amy actually set it up for me. And, uh, and it didn't, and God was putting on my heart, hey, I don't want you to meet this man. And I, and I thought it was a bit weird because uh, I had flown to Australia and I was supposed to meet with World Vision and uh, and it uh, and God was saying don't and I was like that's okay I, I I couldn't make sense of it so I had to call my dad and say hey uh, I'm not able to meet with this man and it's a bit weird uh, it, was, it sounds like a joke but this is what I feel and I'm 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 gonna do what God's asked me to do and uh, so I didn't know what to do and I had a few uh, about three or four days left in Australia. And I said, oh, I'll just call up my friends and stay there because I don't want to pay for a hotel in Sydney, which is very expensive. Uh, so I called them up and they said, yeah, sure. Well, welcome, uh, welcome to stay at our uh, place. Uh, now the friends, they were actually starting preschools. So um, in that, uh, so he had some government uh, certification thing that he had to do for the preschool. So he said, Josh, why don't you go hang out with my, uh, my brother-in-law? Um, and uh, you can have coffee with him and then you can come back to the house. Uh, so Graham had uh, offered to babysit me for, because uh, I was in, involved in education. Uh, his wife had said, why don't you uh, hang out with Josh for, you know, for coffee? Now I still have a picture from that day, but this man gave me 15 minutes of his time and he, he runs all these big schools He's got a salary, uh, $50 or $60 million payroll every year. That's big. And, um, and he had said, okay. And he gave me 15 minutes. I said, hey. Um, uh, so he said, hey, Josh, what are you doing in India? And I've known Graham for a while, but not at a school capacity, just as somebody who would come to India along with his family. And uh, we knew of each other. I knew his son, his children a lot more, and uh, great kids, uh, friends of mine. And, uh, and he said, what are you doing? You know, I said, I don't really know. Uh, we're still trying to figure it out. And uh, so I said, well, this is what I feel that there's potential with education. Uh, so ultimately I said, well, would you, would you mind helping me? Because I really don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but I think there's this great potential that we could actually uh, do some good things for God, and, uh, transform people's lives. And whatever it was, the conversation that uh, had happened turned that 15 minutes is 10, 10 o'clock tea time. And it was evening by the time we were done. Uh, wow. And uh, we had lunch in his office. We didn't, um, we didn't even, yeah, we actually went to a cafe to have coffee and then came back to his office and, and we continued that conversation. Then he said, well, why don't we just order lunch? Cause I'm interested to, to see what, what you do. And um, so having those kind of conversations, it, it opens up uh, things in people's minds and, and then he said, well, what can we do to help? And I said, well, can you help us uh, learn and change education? And I think that was big enough of a challenge for him. Uh, he's a big education uh, person in Australia. Uh, then he said, okay. And I uh, started working with us and I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that there was a better way. Um, so started working with that and then ultimately transforming our schools uh, to now where they've got 
Apple iPads in the schools, uh, and our free schools have Samsung tablets. Now, that's just ridiculous when you think about um, even the, the richest of the schools here don't actually give, give a device out to the, uh, to the child to go take home during the pandemic. Uh, so we've come a long way. They've uh, helped us understand that it's uh, always been there when we needed uh, help and uh, when we went the wrong ways, made wrong decisions. They would um, gently help us realize where we could have done better rather than say, hey, you did it wrong. Uh, so those are the kind of people that you need as mentors in your life. Those that will uh, are there to say, hey, you did it wrong, but I'm still going to be helping you out. Uh, and it's very rare to have somebody who says that. Now, those are the kind of people that you need to surround yourself with. Those that will speak up uh, and that will not uh, leave their commitment towards you. Uh, now, that's going to take a lot of effort to believe in what I was doing. Now, I was doing something that was that was crazy. And you think about the school that I was transforming. It was in Avalopram. It's a small town, 100,000 people and uh, low uh, economic index, right? And I was trying to build a high-quality school there. Uh, we had the facilities. We needed to transform education. Those were the challenges that I was facing. And now we've got schools outside of that as well uh, with high-quality and uh, we've even transformed to even setting up Lioncrest Learning uh, as a technology um, a company that will enable us to um, serve uh, and ultimately grow into larger markets. Uh, but that we're looking forward to some amazing things through that. Uh, but yeah, I, I would even, you know, if I ever met John Maxwell, I'd say thank you for coaching me uh, <laughs> all this time. And I feel that, uh, so even Craig Rochelle, He's never met me. He'd probably never, he'd never meet me. But I know that uh, his journey, his podcast definitely helped. John Maxwell's books have definitely helped shape me. Um, and I've got my, even my own uncle, my dad. They were big. Um, they've done some big things in their lives. And, uh, and I think, you know, when you are a child of somebody who's done some amazing things, you get a platform where you can stand on the giant's shoulders. And God has been so good that not only do I stand on my dad's shoulders, not only do I stand on my uncle's shoulders, who've done some amazing things. I even got Graham Irvin, like I said, the executive principal in Australia, who's now uh, speaking to me in, in words where I'm able to actually now understand that and dream a bigger picture than I would have if it was just a, on the bottom level. Now, those are the kind of things that, you know, I, I get to benefit. Now, those are the same kind of things that even the children at our free school get to benefit with. They get a higher platform of where they stand, where they start off. They, it's like when, you, when you're when you born, um, you know, when you're in a low economic uh, house here, you don't have diapers. Uh, now, if you think about a, a, a wealthy family, you have diapers and you've got clothes, you've got all that stuff. Now, when you do that with education, you just raise a platform for all these children, 200 children that now are on a technology level that the other kids can't. Now, that is something that's going to be transforming uh, for our country. Uh, it's going to be beautiful when you think about it 30 years down the road and you think about all these children who've had a very high quality of education not thinking the right way. They're not thinking about where the next um, plate of food is going to come. They're planning for the next 15, 20 years. 
that that's where the, when you think about a developed nation and a developing nation, the difference is planning. <clears throat> a developing nation doesn't plan as much. If you think about the roads in India, it doesn't have planning. They just dig up whatever they want, put whatever they want. And then five years later, a new government comes and dig that thing back up. The amount of trees that are planted in India, it looks grandiose. But every five years, they just kill those trees and plant new ones. So that's how things are. When you think about a developed nation like America or Australia, you're thinking they plan things through. Sure, they might be planting those trees, but it'll be a lot less because those trees stay there. Unlike the trees that you plant out here, uh, I'm just looking out the window. These trees are creeping up into the electrical cables. There's no maintenance. So those kind of things, you know, you start thinking from high quality perspective, what do you do to actually make sure that you're thinking about higher standards of living? Now you do that with a child that's coming from a poverty, uh, a house that's living in poverty, you raise them up. Now that will transform their lives and their generations. So those are some of the, uh, the blessings that I get to be, be a part of once these children get older. And uh, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm thankful that there's so many people that uh, believe in the same thing that we do. So, yeah, mentors wow. need the right ones. Well, yeah, I mean, what a vision. I mean, what's happened from a 15-minute conversation is now, you know, is, is, a, is a movement that you're doing, uh, you know, in India, developing kids. And, you know, giving them insight, giving them platforms, you know, it all started with a 15 minute conversation that ended up till the evening. And, you know, it went, I mean, you never know how a conversation can shape your life. And, you know, and I, when I see this, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I really don't have words to say. I'm starstruck, you know, because what this is something that is huge from uh, going to Australia, going to meet someone else and uh, going to meet World Vision and at the end, uh, ending up with a totally different person and for a 15-minute conversation which ends up and then, you know, it's it's a long chain. But, you know, it is something great that what God is doing through you and through your church and through your schools as a movement in a developing nation. And I'm pretty sure that we are going to see a lot of great stuff coming up from your church, from your schools and from your ventures in these coming years. And, you know, I think, you know, I think all, all, all people who are actually listening to this, I think you should keep an eye out for these guys, you know, because they're going to hit the headlines soon enough. I mean, because what they're doing is actually massive and what they're doing is filled with so much of vision and so much of heart to make a change in, in the lives. And, you know, and I think that's actually amazing. But I just want to thank you for being here on this session with us, you know, and speaking so much insight, you know, not just about leadership, but about life and about vision. You know, I think you you almost covered every part, you know, uh, more than, I mean, you know, I, I thought, you know, probably we're going to share only on the leadership side, but then at the end, you know, it was like, you know, a whole package deal that I just got. But I think, you know, the people who are going to listen to this are going to be so much happy. And I believe they are going to be so much changed and so much impacted by, uh, so much influenced by what you guys are doing. And, you know, thank you for being on this podcast with us. Thank you so much, Matthew. And uh, yeah, maybe one point, you're going to fail in life. Just make sure you learn from it and don't give up. That's it. Uh, wow. Leave and, and do something that's going to be blessing people and you'll, uh, you'll do some amazing stuff. But I want to thank you that you even thought my life and my story was worth sharing, that you'd want to reach out to me and uh, share this with all your viewers. 
So uh, good job uh, that you're, uh, you've got a passion for uh, helping those that, uh, that want to go on this journey. It's a beautiful journey. You just have to be very persevering. Sometimes uh, the lights, the tunnel is short. Sometimes the tunnel is really long where you can't even see the end of it, uh, especially when you look at a five-year journey of transforming myself, and that was done in darkness. So uh, you have to be persevering. Uh, keep trying. Don't give up. Wow. Don't give up. Thank you so much, Pastor Josh, coming up for the uh, for that beautiful words for the conversation. And I think it's very much insightful and very much influencing. And to the people who are hearing us, that was Josh K and sharing his story and sharing his vision with his church and about his organizations as well. So uh, all the links to uh, Pastor Josh and his, uh, and his ventures are actually put up in the episode description. Just go ahead and check them out. And it's pretty cool. These people are really cool. And, you know, if you can, you know, if there's any way you can have them or support them, you know, I think that'll be really great. And, you know, and, you know, these guys are amazing people. And once again, thank you, Pastor Josh, for being here on this podcast. And I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in once again. Thank you so much for tuning in. And, you know, make sure that you guys go ahead and check him out and check out the links to uh, links to his Instagram and his websites as well. So take care, guys, and make sure you guys stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Thank you. <music>